intentional, tactical, and actionable information you can use to take your real estate investing business to the next level. This is REI Rocket Fuel. All right, with us today on this episode, we have got the one, the only Mike Heldstab of Michael Morgan Investments. Mike, thank you for making time to join me today. Hey, thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So we've known each other uh, about as long as I've been in real estate. I was, uh, when I first got into real estate and was cutting my teeth as an agent, I used to look for investors to work with because I knew that you guys bought houses 12 months out of the year and you didn't care about school district, didn't care about anything. You just, if it made dollars and it was in your criteria and in your area, then you were going to buy it. And I didn't have any of those clients because I had been an agent for two minutes. So I started scouring Craigslist and um, uh, Facebook groups. And I just started cold calling and cold messaging people. And you and I have just kind of stayed in touch ever since. So yeah, I think we, I think we met when you were managing properties, maybe. Well, uh, that's when I was um, uh, working. uh, I just started working for um, uh, Tyson, who's my um, uh, business partner now on um, uh, the brokerage side. Um, And I just started working for him. And of course, he owns a property management company. And so I was just in the office and around. I was never involved in the property management. Arm. I got to, I got a little too close to the sun and I was like, nope, that's not for me. Never mind. I don't want to do, I don't want to do property management. So yeah, <laughs> I get that. So how, how did you get started? Why did you get started? Like, I guess, give us a little bit of background uh, on yourself. Yeah. So the, the why, I guess my dad had rental property for my entire life growing up. So we used to spend time at rental properties. That's where we would have dinner. Sometimes we'd go pull a five gallon bucket up and uh, turn it over, have some burgers while he was working. And that's where we got to see dad on the weeknights. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. So I really got into the idea of rental property at that time from being a little kid. Uh, I got my, I bought my first rental house when I was 22, probably. So I just graduated college, uh, didn't own my own house, didn't have any money. And I was going to do a flip and I thought I was going to make a ton of cash, uh-huh. help student loans, buy a new car, you know, just like they do it on HGTV. Uh, yeah, and, right. Yeah. And you just buy a house and you run into a couple issues, but they're all solved by the next commercial break. And then you make a hundred grand. Yeah. So right. none of that happened for me, <laughs> uh, except the issues. Had a bunch of issues. Uh, tried to make a bunch of money. The market slowed down in the middle of it. So I turned down offers that I shouldn't have turned down, held on to it, rented it for a couple of years, uh, and then sold it. But that didn't keep me away too long. Moved to Wichita and bought a fourplex. That was my first real rental property. Uh, and that would have been probably almost seven or eight years ago. Gotcha. And you still own that fourplex or you? I don't. I got now, rid of that a few years ago. Didn't fit into um, uh, what you were holding now. Just like um, uh, you've grown as an investor and you're like, why did I ever buy that? What was that yeah. Thing? So it was one of those that was a great cash producer on paper. Sure. But it took a lot of effort and it was a revolving door of tenants. Sure. Uh, yeah. It's like a building or neighborhood that I wanted to be in. It was great to get me started. Sure. Uh, because I've never had anything as hard as that one, but sure. it was a good first property. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I, uh, I mean, we've got a coaching program as well. Uh, a shameless plug. Um, the, uh, 
And um, we were talking with the students yesterday about um, you know, getting started in real estate and testing with flipping houses. And um, we kind of got into it a little bit on that and just kind of went deep into that rabbit hole as to like why that's the best way to get started in real estate investing. Because the things you have to learn and teach yourself how to do, and you got to manage a schedule and a timeline and a budget, and you got to manage contractors, and you have to manage your time, and you got to put together a product and get it on the market and then inevitably sell it. Like the skills you learn in doing one one house from A to Z translates into every other arena in real estate so seamlessly and it makes everything else to your point of all the properties you've owned after that hard one it makes all your other rentals seem like easy street yeah that's exactly right you learn way more from your failures than you're going to learn from your success oh, yeah yeah and as there's uh, there's there's probably no truer uh arena of that than real estate investing. So <laughs> now Absolutely. I've taken my share of shots to the chin and, you know, whether it was being an agent or as a, a, a lipper or wholesaler or any of it, I've taken my licks just as much as the next guy, maybe more. So uh, make you better. that's, that's what they keep telling me anyway. So um, how many years do you guys have now? Uh, we hit number 50 about, Three weeks ago. Uh, five zero? Five zero. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. And you've kind of really started to scale that up, what, in the last 18 months, two years or? Yeah, probably 18 months. Um, so I had a full-time W-2 job. Uh, I worked at that job for almost seven years and I was ready for a change. And we had, we had acquired or were in the process of acquiring uh, a couple houses and a duplex, and we we talked about it and said, "Well, there's no time like the president. Let's quit this job. Let's go full time." And then it kind of lights that fire under you. Yeah, uh, it's not a should we buy another property. It's we have to buy another property. Yeah, it's like we got to do something else, or our or, or I'm unemployed. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I get that. I get that. No, it's uh, I hate. I've got a love-hate relationship with um, uh, the first week of the month. Uh, the first week of the month, owning rentals, love it. Love it. It's my favorite time of the month. I'm like, this is awesome. This is all, it's all worth it. It's amazing. But on the wholesale and the flipping side, it's like, all right, it's a new month. We are back to the drawing board. Um, need to get some stuff going or we're all unemployed here. So, yeah. no, I, right. I, I totally get that. That's uh, a really well said. It's not, hey, are, are we going to buy another house? It's how many houses are we going to buy? Yeah, exactly. So how many how many units were you at before you moved into full-time 18 months ago? Um, so it's been exactly a year ago that I quit my job. I think at oh, that really? Point, yeah, I think at that point we were at 30, 34 units maybe, 32. Okay. And in the last... 18 months, you've yeah, increased almost 50%. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. What do you credit that to? I mean, other than your newfound allocation of time and energy and resources that you have now, I mean, you can get up as early as you want. You can work on that all day. You can stop, go home, go pick up kids. I mean, you can do all of that now. What do you accredit really cranking that up and get to 
50 units inside of the next or inside of the last 12 to 18 months. Sure. So I'd say outside of the just having more time to be able to look at deals right now, because that was yeah. my biggest issue when having a full time job, the, the deal a day would pop up. Right. I couldn't look at it because I was on the road and sure. maybe it'd be two days. Well, then it was too late. Right. No, yeah. Those deals are gone by then. Yeah, that's right. I would say just better understanding and better utilizing leverage. Yeah. Um, and really, it's been a double edged sword with the market being the way it is uh, for the last 15 months or so. Um, so it's harder, obviously, to find deals. Sure. But as long as you're being smart about it, uh, if you already had properties, there's no time like the president to refinancing, cash out, yeah. uh, use a line of credit, whatever it may be, just better utilizing your lending options yeah. and actually turning your equity into something that you can grow. Right. And maybe not come out of pocket at all if you're doing it right. 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 Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, you know, that's, there's everybody talks about, you know, the no money down real estate investing. I mean, there's a lot of gurus and stuff online with, what I would consider to be misleading or bad information. There's some good ones. I mean, there's there's a little bit of good in, in all the bad, and there's a little bit of bad in all the good. So, uh, but I think that's that's a it's a really good point and a really good time now where you literally, as long as you're bankable and you have other properties, like there's real opportunity for experienced investors when you're finding good enough deals and you're borrowing right and you know how to navigate those waters, there's real opportunity to get this for lack of a better term, free real estate or zero cash down or in the deal real estate. And that's it, it's not unprecedented, but it's certainly rare air. Yeah, absolutely. We we've used the the Burr method like crazy in the last year. Really? Uh, okay. And it's, nice. it's just it's done really well for us. It's like a domino effect. You do one, uh, get it refinanced, and then you literally just parlay it into the next one. Right. Yeah. It's uh, it's like playing with house money at the casino. It's like, yeah. I'm already up. It's like, this isn't really my money. But yeah, I mean, after a handful of good burrs, you're literally refinancing the bank's money with the bank's money. And yeah. it's just it's just real life monopoly at that point. Right. And they know it's moving they're around more than the park place. I mean, yeah. It goes around. Uh, as long as you make your payments, they're right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, you don't pay, you don't stay. So, uh, going back to lessons and, and the biggest mistakes, what's the biggest lesson you've learned in real estate? And is that your, or was that your biggest mistake, or are those two separate? Um, I, I would say they could be the same. I would, I've said this before to people that the biggest lesson and, and probably mistake that I, that I ever made was letting whatever happened in a deal I was doing or with a tenant, whatever it may be, uh, I took it personal and it would just mm. mess me up. Uh, yeah. whether it be somebody not paying rent or trashing an apartment or house, uh, whatever it was, I would, at the end of the day, carry that weight. And it would just, I would lose sleep over it and it would impact my desire to do another deal. Sure. And it just threw everything out of whack. And I don't know if it was something I heard or read or just at some point just changed my mindset. I don't know how that happened, but I realized 
this isn't personal. It's business. Right. And some people just aren't going to be great to work with and they're going right. to make your life hard. Uh, and it's not you, it's them. So get over it and don't let it bother you and don't let it stop you from trying to get your goals achieved. Right now. Yeah. It's the, it's the age old or yeah, it's the age old adage. You know, if you can't stand the heat, stay out of the kitchen. Like this, this isn't an easy business. There certainly are days and there are deals where it was like, I can't believe that that was that easy. And then there's other ones where you don't really know what's going to happen. You don't really know if it's going to actually close. And then you've got the deed in your hand and you're leaving the title office and you're like, okay, we did it. Like, I, I don't know if I ever want to see that person again, but we did it. So no, I've, uh, I have been involved in, uh, and as I'm sure you have deals of both kinds. And the ones where you walk away and you're like, I can't believe I got paid to do that. That was, yeah. that was awful. I mean, that was fun. And then you have other deals where you're like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to hang this whole real estate thing up, sell it all. I'm done. I'm out. Waste of time. So I heard something years, uh, like two or three years ago, I was listening to a podcast. Uh, it's a leadership podcast. And uh, he talked about, you know, when you're receiving feedback from people on your team or, you know, something happens that's outside of your control in a deal or in a negotiation or, you know, it, it, in this case, a tenant doesn't pay rent or they trash the apartment, whatever it is, you can't take it personal and you've got to separate the who and the do. What they did doesn't necessarily reflect on how they feel about you as a person. They don't hate Mike and so I'm going to trash this apartment. That, I mean, that's, that's alternative circumstance. It's got nothing to do with you personally. And I, yeah, this is way too hard of a business and can sometimes be too cutthroat and competitive of a business to take things personally. Yeah, absolutely. And even if it is someone that is trying to personally hurt you, like, right. It doesn't do you any good to, to worry about it. It's just, right. it is what it is. Tomorrow's going to hopefully be better. Right. And you, it certainly can't stop you from doing more deals. You've got to have thick skin. You've got to have thick skin to be a landlord. You've got to have thick skin to be a flipper, to be involved in a competitive arena like real estate at all. You've got to have thick skin if you want to do it and you want to do it well. Absolutely. And really probably what impacted me so much in the beginning, taking it personal, was when there's no harder amount of rentals to own than one. Than, than one. <laughs> That's right. So when you've got one rental and someone's not paying rent or it needs a new AC or water heater, right? I mean, you're crushed. That just took out three months of your profit. I was just going to say that just that stuff. It's easy to buy. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I was, I was just about to ask you if the hardest rental to own is that first one or to own the 50 that you have now. Uh, so I'd say there's a difference between hard and time consuming, sure. owning more, more time consuming, your hard. right. But as like financially hard and taxing on you being able to make ends meet one is harder. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it, uh, I mean, I, uh, Emma, when I got started and I owned my first rental, I was in a different, when I bought my first rental, I was in a different place than you were like, I wasn't using any of the cash flow every month to pay bills or anything. I mean, that was just into the rental account, 
we're going to do something with it, you know, use it for down payment on something else, yada, yada, yada. But even when I just had the one and I didn't, I mean, I didn't, it's not that I didn't care about the cash flow, but I wasn't like, I need to go to the bank right now and get that money so I can go and pay my water bill. But it was just, I mean, it was still like, God, like, why is this so it's pulling teeth just owning one freaking rental? And I have a management company that, or I utilize, not own like I have, but I utilize a management company that does it anyway and is still owning that one. I was like, this is unfreaking real. So hard to do. Yeah. And with one rental, and even with three or four rentals, you're not using subcontractors enough. Right. Like you're just a regular person and yeah. they'll yeah, get you're not getting any deals or any discounts. Right. They'll get to you when they have time. Right. And they're going to charge you regular retail rate. Right. It's going to hurt. Yeah. Uh, and when you have more, hopefully you've got those relationships and hopefully you pay your bills and treat people right. Right. Uh, when you call them, they'll be there as quick as they can and they'll take care of you more. Yeah. No, that's, 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 Really, really well said. I mean, that's, I mean, we talked about that yesterday on the, uh, on our um, uh, coaching call as well. Probably talked about that for 30 minutes of, you know, your, your contractors and your subs and anyone you're using to do work on your properties of any kind. Those are human beings running a business and everything you can do to make them feel heard and seen and appreciated and cared for like you just like if you were in any other business you want to maintain that relationship it's like being married if you stop pursuing your wife she's going to be like what's what's the deal what's going on here like you don't just pursue 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 get married and stop and it's just a healthy relationship it's the same thing when you're dealing with a contractor and that seems a little heavy, but in an essence, it's the same thing. You build and you nurture that relationship and you take them out to lunch and you get them pies for Thanksgiving. If you've got a, you know, a small crew that you work with, I mean, there's just a lot of little things you can do to outline and really bring out the human element of your real estate operation. Um, and you know, whether that that human element and that relationship that you're grooming is between you and your contractor or you and your partner or you and an assistant or your accountant or your lender and that has all the money uh, or your tenants. I mean, there is a human element and true, unadulterated human interaction between you and tons of other people and tons of other egos involved in the common goal of getting those deals wrapped up and the rehabs done or, you know, getting something funded or getting them moved in or getting your tenants hot water heater fixed. So, I mean, there's just so much interaction with the general public and with other humans that it's so important not to forget that they are other humans. They're not tenant number nine and contractor number four. These are real human beings that are relying on you for something. Absolutely. And I think the biggest problem with most landlords, especially when they get bigger and older, is they remember all those things except for the tenant. Yeah. Uh, really easy. Every, everyone that's ever owned multiple rentals can tell you a bad experience and a tenant they really didn't get along with, or maybe they didn't sure. like at all. But 
you reaching out and being the the human instead of the the landlord that calls you on the first of the month asking right. for rent. Uh, there's a difference. Uh, two days ago, I sat down for two hours and hand wrote 50 Christmas cards and I'll send them to every single tenant. And it's like, that's it's a awesome. easy little thing to do. Uh, it doesn't really cost you any money, but I guarantee at least a number of them will appreciate it and remember it. And oh, yeah. it's a two-way street for having that relationship. Um, right. Between you two. That's awesome. I didn't, that's, that's cool. What, uh, did you see that somewhere or you just felt called to be a human? I, I don't know. I mean, I've always been big on notes in general growing yeah. up. Uh, there was no choice. You wrote a thank you note when right. someone did something for you or you got a gift. Um, and, and it was just the, the way of showing the kind of gratitude. And I think that uh, I, I did that in my old job too. We had to write, not had to, we wrote thank you notes for sure. when people did things and, and helped us out and provided us with what we needed. So I just carried that over. And I know that when I get a thank you note or a Christmas note, especially something that's not just a printed signature. Uh, right. I can tell that someone, even if they wrote eight words on a card and signed their right. name, they, they put the time. time and effort into it. And it doesn't even matter what it said, but the fact that they put the effort and the time into it, it means something to me. So I'll, in my mind, it probably means something to these other people. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm huge on the same thing, you know, writing those out and um, we do it at scale here with all um, uh, the leads that we work and stuff like that, you know, just because we know the impact that a handwritten card has um, on someone. For those of you watching the video of the podcast, I've got two shelves right here full of handwritten cards that I've received over the years. And some of them are as new as last month. And some of them are as old as, five, six years ago when I first got into real estate and I've still got them because they left that much of an impact. I couldn't tell you what any of them say off the top of my head. Like I didn't keep that one because it says this or keep that one because it was signed by that person. It was the impact and the way that it made me feel uh, when I got it. And so they serve as a constant reminder of that feeling that we can provide to others. So no, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. I love that you did that for, for the tenants. I might steal that. It's uh, it's probably not too late to get them out between now and um, the holidays. So I yeah, might steal that time. from you. I might steal that from you. I'm going to make a note of that. <laughs> a note for a note. Uh, yeah, that's right. So uh, talk to me about where you see your guys' strategy over the next 12 to 18 months. I know you said that you, uh, you know, in that last, 12 to 18 months, a lot of burr, a lot of acquisition, and a lot of hold. How do you see that changing if it does change at all? Or are you guys just going to continue to do more of that and just ramp it up? Uh, my hope is if we could duplicate what we've done in the last 18 months over the next 18 months, that would be a big win. I think we expanded pretty rapidly. Uh, and if we could do it again, fantastic. Uh, Another 15 or to duplicate the 15 and turn it into 30? Uh, either. You know, I, sure. I don't, I'm, sure. I'm goal oriented, but I'm, I'm not like a super rigid numbers of we have to hit, you know, 10 or 15 deals. I think those things are great to do. 
but sure. I think they get people in trouble a lot. And if yeah. all their goal is, is to have 10 units, right. And they're not necessarily looking at, they're not staying in buying the houses to buy a house. Right. And I've done that. Uh, you know, I've, I've bought a house to buy a house and it's okay, but it's not like a killer deal. And it doesn't do much other than maybe tie up some money that could have been used better right. elsewhere. And your right. energy and your time, like, could you have used that same time and same energy and that same capital to get a way better return if you had waited or if you had analyzed another couple of deals and not just bought one for the sake of hitting your unit goal? Probably so. So I look at it from a cash flow goal. I don't have a unit. However, I get to X amount of dollars. That's how we're going to get there. Exactly. And that's, that's exactly where we're at. Uh, when I was younger, I used to say I wanted 500 units. And I think it was just the, I don't know, the, the bright, flashy 500 that sounded sure. pretty cool. Sure. Uh, which if you have 500 units, you're doing, you should be doing really well. Right. Um, Unless you were leveraged to the tilt. Yeah, exactly. And you can still be doing really well. But Right. Yeah. You seem to be doing really well. You have 500 doors. Exactly. So I'm not, uh, I don't have a number in mind what I want to do. I want to keep growing and really that's if we can keep growing at a steady rate, I don't know how to define steady, sure. uh, but if we can do anything close to what we've done, or if we can double it or triple it, those are all good in my book, as long as we're yeah. making good deals and smart decisions. Love that. Well said. What's the best piece of advice for a new investor? I just, I am uh, just decided yesterday that I want to start buying rentals or I want to do my first flip. Uh, start talking to people and listening to podcasts. Uh, we live in a time where there is no easier time ever to get free information yeah. either online through podcasts like this or bigger pockets or talking to someone like you or myself or a hundred other people that are listening or meeting us at, at investor lunches. Uh, go talk to those people, email with them, take them out to lunch or coffee, you know, spend $7 on Starbucks and get an unlimited potential out of a conversation that you have. Uh, it's kind of like that six degrees of separation. You know, yeah. meet one person, you're going to meet their five friends. And then all of a sudden you met their 30 friends. And now you've right. got a network around you that's going to give you more value in lunch than you got in four years of college. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the truth. There's a, there's a quote. I want to say that it was Warren Buffett, but I don't know that for a fact. So don't quote me on the quote, but it's a uh, formal education will make you a living self-education will make you a fortune. Yeah. Absolutely. I preach that was Warren Buffett. Do you know off the top of your head, Mike? Uh, it wouldn't no? surprise me. I don't know the yeah. answer. Though. Sure. Fair. Yeah. It's a, uh, I said it. Formal educate. Give me yeah. that quote. I said it. Mike Houtstab said, "Formal education will make you a living. Self-education will make you a fortune." Yeah, it's, it's for sure. Uh, yeah. I didn't. I I've learned way more from having rental property and doing business than I did in college. Oh, sure, absolutely. What about advice for someone who's on the fence about getting started in real estate investing? They haven't quite decided that that's what they want to do, but they're leading. Uh, I would say do your research, be, be confident in your decisions, but don't, don't, be, don't make a decision just to jump into it because you feel like it's the, the shiny thing on Instagram that everybody's doing. Uh, if it makes sense, do it, but 
but make sure that it's going to work for you. Don't sacrifice your, your family or your finances or being able to pay your own mortgage or rent uh, in order to hopefully make money down the road. Make sure you're making good decisions and, and don't jump into something that you're, you're not really sold on. Well said. Well said. Mike, thank you so much for your time today. I know you're a busy guy uh, out there managing 50, soon to be 80, soon to be 500 doors. So I'll, uh, I'll let you get back to it. Thank you again for uh, uh, taking time to join up with me today. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. And everybody who's um, watching and listening, thank you very much. Don't forget to subscribe. Mike, thanks a lot, man. See ya. Thanks for listening to this episode of REI Rocket Fuel. For even more content, follow us on social media or head over to www.reirocketfuel.com.